Coming off a bye weekend for the Alabama Crimson Tide, it is time for T. Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Hope you will subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can do that pretty much anywhere you consume podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate a subscription. Leave us a review while you're there as well. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by site publisher. Tim Watts. What about it, Tim? What? How does Tim Watts spend an Alabama bye weekend? How does that? How does that exactly go down? Um, there's not a whole lot of difference, you know. I stay at home and sort of surman the site while you guys do all the work on the weekends. Um, I just stay <laughs> at home and watch football and make sure everything's going all right. I, I I actually enjoy it more when there's an Alabama game because there's something to watch and um there's you know there's something we're invested in so i like to watch you know players i'm familiar with but the off weekend's good this one wasn't particularly good i mean even the good game you know out you know auburn and florida it was a mess but i mean it was competitive but for the most part i've just been highly disappointed with college football so far this year just haven't seen a lot of great games and a lot of a lot of great competition you weren't enthralled by that 10-3 Michigan Iowa game that other pillow fight we had on the national landscape that was kind of the other anticipated game wasn't it and uh it didn't turn out to be much up in Ann Arbor no not at all I mean you look at Michigan you know you know whole deal with Gaddis connected to Alabama and taking credit for you know a lot of the play calling you know that obviously you know Mike Loxley did so we got that little connection to him but Michigan is a boring team right now and you didn't expect yeah they were going to open it up yeah they you know they they opened it up and somebody slammed it back on them real quick because I'm just, you know, you got Shea Patterson and the the one thing about Shea Patterson is he is a little bit like Johnny Manziel. And we saw him at Ole Miss. He runs around, he slings the ball. He does all that, but him trying to be a drop back passer, him trying to be Jake Fromm, him trying to be AJ McCarron. That's, that's nothing good's coming from that. No, you're right. And when Shea Patterson made that move from Ole Miss to Michigan, you thought, well, maybe Jim Harbaugh is going to get out of that phone booth and, you know, go more to a spread and a a legit wide open approach, or at least a facet of that Michigan offense would offer that. And then Josh Gaddis comes in with his experience, the one and done at Alabama, working with Mike Loxley. You figured maybe that would add another dimension to that offense. And uh, and uh, it really hadn't happened to this point for the Michigan Wolverines. What about Thompson High? Did Thompson High, was Thompson High on the football field this weekend? They were. Uh, they were off last week. And I tell you what, if you like high school football and a well-coached team, I don't want to sound like a homer because my kids go there, but Mark Freeman does a fantastic job. And um, they they had another, I mean, if you want to see offense, I mean, I've been watching this guy, you know, since he was back at Bessemer Academy putting guys in the SEC uh, you know, pretty much everybody knows what a great offensive coach he is. But to see him this year, probably one of his best jobs, has a senior quarterback that that my sons have been friends with. We're friends of the family named Sawyer Pate, absolutely setting setting uh setting off to a great senior season. And um, hasn't missed a beat. The kid never started a high school game. You know, you lose to Leah and you expect a little drop off, but they've got him rolling along. They're scoring in the 40s. They beat Hoover already. So, you know, obviously, this is probably the roughest area in the state of Alabama for high school football. A lot of people say it's the SEC West with Hoover, Vestavia, and Mountain Brook, and, and Thompson, and all those teams in it. Oak Mountain and Spain, Spain Park, I don't want to forget anybody. So all those teams play each other every year. Um, Hewitt's not far away either. So it's a rough road, but they've did a fantastic job so far. Yeah, poor Tuscaloosa County over here, man, in that area. <laughs> 
it's just brutal. And that's you're right. It's the region, the area death. I think you could call it. Uh, it's it is. It's the prep football equivalent of the SEC. Our Northridge Jags still in search of that first W in 6A over here in Northeast Tuscaloosa. Uh, We had the week off. We got homecoming coming up uh, this Friday night. The youngest, the youngest rider on that homecoming court. So I guess I might have to wear something other than jeans Friday night. Might have to put some slacks on, Tim. I'm just waiting to see where this kid ends up after he leaves the nest. We got one in Wyoming. We've got well, we got one, one, we got Evan, yeah, we got Evan in Montana, Montana, which is you know it's all it's all the same out there, right? South Dakota, yeah. Wyoming, Montana. That's one state we all know it. So we got one in Hawaii, <laughs> and then we got Evan out there at Yellowstone trying to yeah, get yeah. get a go in the next series. So yeah, chasing bears, yes, white bears. Yes, yeah. I mean that's the place where they have to. I see it. They uh, watch a show called Live PD, and they're in Montana. And, you know, it's yeah. live. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's live. They're going to live people getting pulled over and arrested. So far, every episode, when they go to Montana, there's always an animal involved. No lie. There's a, a deer ran into a car the other day. Two deer ant- deers had their antlers locked. You know, there's a bison or something yeah. in the road, and they've caused, a you know, a, a, a log jam. So, absolutely. Oh, I, right. I, I tell Evan – Make sure your vehicle is fully gassed up anywhere you go out there because you never know, man. You might end up living in that ride because of the weather, because of the wildlife. You know, you have a car. Let's be honest. If you've seen any horror movies, you don't want to break down in the woods to begin with. Exactly. Especially when you push. So you better be gassed up. Fully gassed. The The high out there on Wednesday uh in butte montana tim it's going to be 22 that's going to be your high (laughs) and this is october october the 9th um let's talk about go ahead let's talk about what a bye weekend means for the uh alabama coaching staff uh you know we we talk about bye weekends and you don't see alabama on the football field obviously alabama did practice last week tuesday through friday uh, but what does a bye weekend mean from a recruiting standpoint, Tim, for a coaching staff? You know, for Alabama, I don't think it's a whole lot different than a normal week, to be honest with you. I know the guys are in the office. Saban, obviously, is in the office. Those guys are still game planning. I mean, I think for them, it's just a – it's to them, I think it's just a, a relief, a breath, time to take your – instead of having a game plan for one game, they get two games to plan for Texas A&M. It's probably a good time, too, because the Mon guy – I know the Aggies haven't really lived up to the billing we thought they were going to see, but he's a dangerous guy. It's their Super Bowl. I mean, it's going to be a huge game for them. So, really, I don't think a lot changes. They get out on the road, which they don't do as much in the year. Uh, we confirmed them seeing guys like five-star uh, tight end Eric Gilbert, you know, who's a top target for Alabama, coming down the stretch. And they got out to see some other guys on Saturday like Nadab Joseph. But for the most part, you know, I think other than getting out towards the end of the week, I think it was just business as usual. What about Xavier Hill decommitting the Mississippi offensive lineman? What, how did that sort of resonate with you? That news, surprise, non-surprise, uh, bigger pickup potentially for Mississippi State than a loss for Alabama in the big picture of things. How did that one sort of hit you, Tim? You know, to me, it's still confusing because I know I know that uh, Kurt Flood was actually there Friday to see Xavier. 
And, um, you know, the word we're getting is that the kid isn't really telling Alabama he's decommitted. He just wants to make sure Alabama's in the right place. The coach has confirmed he's opened up his recruitment. Now, the kid's still saying he's committed to some degree. So to, to me, it's like, you know, being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either committed or you're not. It's not a huge surprise that 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 this has happened. He took a couple visits to Mississippi State. But I will say I've seen pictures on social media of the kid running around in the school in Alabama gear constantly. Not that that means they're everything or anything. But, you know, I think this is just going to be a kid they're going to stay on. Obviously, they're still going to recruit him. They went in and saw him this weekend. So, I mean, it's recruiting. Nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And Alabama, as we know, with very limited spots, or so it would seem on paper anyway uh, right now, Tim. Um, you know, it, it is and, and with that offensive line class they signed in 2019, I guess – you know, they can be very selective if, in fact, Hill isn't a part of this class, maybe ends up a part of it. We'll see uh, in terms of how they go at that position specifically again after the big year in 2019. I think in any class you want to add at least a couple offensive linemen. And a couple of years ago they did that um, where they had a few, but they got the guys that they wanted. I think this class is going to be similar. Offensive line wasn't a priority. Like you said, they had a great class last year. Uh, but you still want to get a couple of guys in there that could go in and fight, especially on the interior, and try to help you out. So I think Alabama will be fine. It's not a great offensive line class nationally. Um, so there's, you know, there's some guys taking some shots, and I'm, I know the Alabama staff is still evaluating and, you know, looking for guys who could emerge. So as we head into Texas A&M week, uh, Tim, looking at this Alabama team. In what ways do we feel like the Crimson Tide could benefit from that off week? And we say off week, we're just talking about on Saturday, because as you alluded to, even from a recruiting perspective, things don't necessarily change all that much in terms of the day-to-day regimen and routine that Nick Saban has in place over there off Bryant Drive. Um, Looking at this Alabama team through five games, I guess we pretty much have to center on the defensive side of the ball and the need to sort of microwave the growth of so many of these true freshmen uh, and, and you know, have, have these guys kind of lived up to what you expected based on your, your involvement and your coverage of these guys during the recruiting process just a year ago. Yeah, they have. I mean, you know, there's such a big leap from being a, you know, a red shirt freshman in college and, being a high school senior, you know, a high school senior, you're by far the strongest guy in your weight room. You're not really, you know, you don't have to push yourself. You know, obviously some guys do, but you get on that field and all of a sudden you're dealing with grown men's strength. So you see, you know, you see DJ Dale, he's made an impact, a big, strong kid, obviously worked hard, Byron, Byron Young. These guys are going to have their best football is going to be ahead of them. Shane Lee, Christian Harris, they're all learning, like you said, on the job. And it's microwave for sure because they are learning quickly, fastly, and, um, you know, and, 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 and get some real savages around them. I mean, they're surrounded by guys and they're playing guys that have been in their SEC programs for years and have gotten stronger. I'm not surprised. I mean, you don't want to have to count on as many freshmen as you do, especially when it comes to being the, the strength guys, the big guys, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. I mean, I think it's a little easier for a skill player. You know, Amari Cooper's a 4-4 guy with great who's going to run great routes even as a freshman. Um so that, you know, it's not going to affect him as much. But DJ Dale and Alex Letterwood and them are getting in there and learning on the job. And let's be honest, at this point, they're basically heading into their sophomore year. I mean, they practiced a lot, especially if they enrolled in December. They went through a spring. 
And, you know, they're four games into the season. So these guys are learning quickly. And I think they'll get better as the year goes on. I've, every Alabama game to me has been interesting because they have a slow start the first two series. And then the last two series, they don't quite finish up the way they want to. So I think they're doing a good job of adjusting. I just think they got to finish off some games. And they haven't even been – it hasn't really even been a contest yet. So, I mean, that lack of focus. You know, Alabama needs a little bit of a test. I know Nick Saban's expecting one next week. Yeah, so much on Shane Lee, man. I mean, this was a guy that was going to be Alabama's third inside linebacker before the injury to Dylan Moses. It was going to be, well, it was going to be in all likelihood, at least to start the season, it was going to be Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan. So while Josh McMillan wasn't an experienced guy in terms of starts, he's a redshirt senior. So there's some comfort, there's some sense of security in having that kind of guy in that spot to go along with a dynamic player and an experienced player in Dylan Moses. You lose both those guys. And so with that, and especially with Moses going down, Lee now becomes your every down linebacker. He goes from a third inside linebacker role as a depth provider to every down because he's a Mike. And in the base nickel and dime packages, you know, your Mike is pretty much going to be out there on an every down basis. So, you know, the the continued growth of Shane Lee, it's going to be really interesting to watch coming off this bye week because those young guys, and especially Lee, they've had everything thrown at them, man, in terms of formations, in terms of uh, approaches. You look at some of the offensive minds that this team has already gone against. David Cutcliffe, well-renowned, as we know, for his work throughout the years, multiple decades of work. Rich Rodriguez, whatever you think of the guy as a head coach, uh, as an offensive guy, very capable, did a nice job with John Rice Plumley a couple of Saturdays ago uh, here in Tuscaloosa. And it's not going to change this week. I mean, Jimbo Fisher, same thing, loves to get different personnel looks, different formations, get you looking at different things, uh, and really run some some base plays. But uh yeah, that's that's the continued storyline for Alabama going into this Texas A&M week. It is T. Watts and T.R. on the Built by Bama online podcast. Once again, we appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that pretty much anywhere you consume your podcast these days. Leave us a review or rating while you're there. We would certainly uh, appreciate it. Um, Tim, you know, Black Monday kind of jumping around here. Black Monday in the National Football League, it's usually sort of that first Monday after the end of the regular season. But uh, we're already getting some coaching news with Jay Gruden. And I think with that, it's going to be interesting. You pointed this out in sort of our show prep. You know, Which of these NFL teams that we know are going to have openings are, are going to look to the college ranks? And five, six years ago, it was always Nick Saban, right, at the forefront of that discussion. Absolutely. Who's that guy now? Is it Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma, you think? See, I think I think it's – I mean, if I'm a GM and I've got a high pick and I'm getting whichever guy you're getting, Baker Mayfield, Kyler, you know, Murray, you're getting two or whoever, I want a Lincoln Riley working with them. And I th- think you saw that with Arizona last year. I mean, Cliff – the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Cliff Clansbury, he went from an offensive coordinator at USC to a head coach in the National Football League. You don't see that very often. Um, got him out there, knew they ended up taking Kyler Murray, got his first win yesterday. I think that's the trend that we're possibly going to see because let's be honest, the NFL is just like the NBA. 
they regurgitate the same coaches. It's like when they get fired, they get in line like at Cat's Deli in New York City, and you wait for your ticket to be called because you're going to be back. I remember when the NBA rolled Hubie Brooks off the uh, TNT broadcast to coach again. You know, dang near 80. So the NFL, you got to get new blood in there. You've got to get – I don't – and, I, you know, another guy, so I'm expecting Dan Quinn to possibly get fired. So we're going to yeah. have openings. I looked it up yesterday. There's five teams in the National Football, Football League without a win, and there's three teams with one win. Um, so we're going to see guys that, are, you know, a lot of jobs are opening it up, and I'm not so sure that these guys aren't trying to get a head start on, on going after that next hot guy. If it's me, it's it's Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I, I think it, it almost has to be at this point, and – the Bengals, kudos to the Bengals yesterday. They tried to screw up their chances with Tua. Do you see that with uh, the Cardinals? But the yeah. Cardinals, the Cardinals with Kingsbury and their quarterback uh, of the future, Kyler Murray in there, I think had a little more, a little more uh, encouragement, a little more emphasis on winning maybe right. than the Bengals had yesterday in Cincinnati. But you're right, man. There are so many bad teams. It, it does. It looks like – it really does look like teams are literally trying to tank for Tua at this point. Yeah, that game, you know, for Arizona, it doesn't matter. They don't need the number one overall pick. They nope. got their quarterback, so they can they can win two or three games, four or five games, because they're looking in that – you know, they're going to look in that five to eight spot for that draft pick. You know, I, the guy I'm really curious – I'm not an Arizona Cardinals fan, but I'm really – I'd really be interested to see a guy like – Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy with Kyler Murray and Cliff coaching them. I think that yeah. would be that wide open offense. Cause if you noticed, if you're an NFL fan and you watch like the chiefs, the chiefs are really struggling right, right now. They've got a great coach. They got great talent, but they're missing Tyreek kill. So when you lose that Alvin Kamara, that Tyreek kill, or you add that Henry Ruggs or that type of guy that can, you know, stretch that defense like it does, it's a huge effect in the NFL. I mean, who thought the Chiefs would be held, you know, you know, under 20 points, especially, you know, especially against the Colts. Last night was a victory for the uh, old heads, though, man, when it comes to football, because that Colts offensive line, Tim, with Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, uh, Braden Smith, the former Auburn standout, who I begged the Jacksonville Jaguars to draft a couple of years ago with all the offensive line help that our Jags need. Um, that was a win for, for the run the damn ball crowd last night, wasn't it? I mean, they were taking the middle of that line, and <laughs> they were they were pushing them three yards back. It yeah. was one of the most impressive jobs I've seen. I mean, the Chiefs aren't known for their defense. It's not a great defense, but it's a pretty good defense. And to see them push back, Quentin Nelson, he's a monster. Ryan's a monster. All those guys, Braden Smith, just big guys that moved ahead. They were giving that guy a clean pocket when he passed. He had mm-hmm. plenty of room to step up in it. And when they ran, they were they were gouging him up the middle. Now, when they tried to get wide a few times, when they tried to get tricky, you know, it bit him in the butt a little bit. But, yeah, it's, it, it was that. I'll tell you another team that did a great job on the offensive line was the Packers yesterday against the Cowboys. They were getting yeah, to that. Yeah, they did. They were getting that second level, and they were taking the Cowboys linebackers, who were fantastic, and they were taking them out of the game. So, I mean, you're right. Yeah, you saw the results of that. Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw a touchdown pass. Devontae Adams is out for the Packers, and the Pack still scores what, 34? Yeah. 35? I mean, in Dallas. It it was a dominant, yeah, it was a dominant, and that's Dallas off a loss. 
That's yeah. Dallas coming off the Saints loss and saying, hey, we got something to prove. We can't lose two in a row. And they proved you can, in fact, lose two in a row. They were chanting your guy Teddy Bridgewater's name in uh, in New Orleans yesterday. Did you see that? Boy, he had a good game, didn't he? Yeah. He was, he was 3-0 he, is the starter now. I mean, come on. Yeah, and I saw Drew Brees is putting up an Instagram video of he's throwing already. <laughs> that's how don't, you get people to Don't you forget about me. Yeah, that's how you get somebody to heal faster. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel sick, then Hank breaks a story. I'm like, oh, I feel better. <laughs> Here I come. Charlie Potter's on me. Let's go. So, yeah. So my, guy, my guy Gardner Minshew tried to get it done for our Jags yesterday. You yeah, talk about an offensive line, though. They're doing more considering that situation. I looked up on social media and saw a saw a damn photo of Jalen Ramsey hanging out with Deshaun Watson. Come on, man. Come all on. the Jalen supporters, though. All the Jalen supporters. Well, his back specialist is in Houston. That's why he was out there, Tim. That's what the Jalen supporters. Out there Sunday night at Dave and Buster's. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Playing ski ball. No, he Playing did ski ball. He did that. He laid up all his tickets. You laid up, you laid up and didn't play. You didn't do your job you paid for, and then you go and you hang out with Deshaun Watson, who just torched you. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, they're a different game. But you saw your team lose, and you saw Deshaun. I don't even know how they're connected. Yeah. That well, um, from the maybe by the agent. I think it may be their okay. their agent. I was just saying they maybe. It's not like they played at the same college. It's not like they're from the same state. He's this no. is the state. Well, that we know. We know how this works. He's trying to get traded. And I don't know what the Jags want for him. Um, you know, but somebody should trade for the guy. He's a pretty good football player. Tom Coughlin, man. We talk about old heads on this show, oh, like you and me. Tom Coughlin ain't just coming off that. He's, he's not just going <laughs> to. He's the old yeah. heads. Yeah. He's, he's Fred not, Flintstone. Yeah. He's Fred Flintstone of the old heads. And uh, he, he's not just going to give in and say, okay, give us a one. And we're good. No, it's going to take probably an all-pro to slash Pro Bowl type starter plus a couple of ones to get Tom yeah. off Jalen Ramsey. That just tells them they don't want to move him, though. You know They get- don't, but the problem is they've covered for him for the last two weeks. He basically hadn't wanted to play. This is essentially a, 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 a thinly veiled holdout is what we're in right now. He just doesn't want to play for the Jags right now. And they've allowed him to use all these different excuses for the last couple weeks. And that's not to discount the value of the birth of a child, okay? But they have covered for Jalen Ramsey for a couple weeks now. And, you know, you can say we can, you know, kind of excuse whatever yesterday was with the picture with Deshaun Watson and all that. But it will be interesting, Tim, to see what the Jags approach with Jalen is publicly after that social media stir up with that photo yesterday. Do they yeah. continue to cover for him? Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, you saw what happened with Antonio Bryant. He went to social media. All these people were telling him to go to social media and make a big deal. And they did. We all make a big deal of it, of course. I mean, we're still we're still in the age where if a recruit likes another recruit's post, we think you know a tweet, we think he's flipping. So uh, you know, and I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm like, uh oh, head on the <laughs> you know, head on Connect the, the dots. Yeah, yeah. Read the read the tea leaves. So um so it makes sense to do it that way. I just I just don't agree, you know, that Jalen's sitting out if he could play. I I think the guys I think you need to play the game. You're getting paid to play. Or you should have worked this out in the off season or just set out the whole season. I wouldn't just you know, I just wouldn't pull up in the middle of the season with the Jaguar team that lost a starting quarterback, have been battling, what are they, two and one? 
since the uh, quarterback. Yeah, went, yeah, but, with uh, Minshew in there as a starter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm saying that's you know I just I just think he needs a play. He's a good football player. He's always been a little bit temperamental. Um, obviously his time at Jacksonville's played out though. Yeah, it, it's it's looking that way, no doubt. By the way, uh, our Jags have got Tim's Saints ne- uh, this week. They're in Duval, so that'll be uh, a ba- battle of the backups. I will not be doing this podcast if the Saints lose. I will be Jalen Ramsey <laughs> taking a picture with Keith Niebuhr on the Auburn site and putting it on social media. This Jalen Tom Coughlin slash Jaguars beef, is it, uh, is it as intense for you, Tim, as uh, – Shaq and Damian Lillard at this point, that beef. Where, what happened to the NBA? Skinny jeans, capri, capri pants, purses, yeah. eyeliner. I want to see Larry Bird. So basically, bite- so basically Cam Newton is what you're saying. Yes. I want to see Larry Bird biting Dr. J. I want to see Wilt Chamberlain kicking somebody in the testicle. Yeah. I want to see that basketball. I mean, it's fine. I just don't get, I don't know, again, old school. I don't get how your best friends before the game hugging and after. Are you not? I don't get it. I mean, you yeah. we grew up in the NBA where they fought every game. What did the NBA have when we were growing up? Like eight teams? <laughs> they had eight oh, yeah. teams. They were all, it seemed like they were all, you know, eight teams, and they were all fantastic teams. And The Flint Tropics, I think, were in the NBA when but, we were younger, right? Why is Damian Lillard rapping, and why is Shaq rapping? You know, and why? But that they- wasn't all produced, Tim. That was all real. That was a that's a real beef, Tim. It's, I mean, it's not going to be a beef for long if Shaq gets his hands on Damian. It's going to be the end of a beef really oh, I, quick. I, I think it's totally produced, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. I mean, this this reminds me of like Eminem and some rapper named Machine Gun Kelly. As we were discussing earlier, they had a beef. Well, Machine Gun, you know, Eminem said something negative about Machine Gun Kelly or had some freestyle. And Machine Gun Kelly, three minutes later, had a video and a rap this, you know, this uh, rap this song ready. And three minutes had a video. It was like fade to black and white and fading in and fading out. And all the production value, obviously, that was staged well, you know, well in advance. By the way, it didn't work. I don't think Eminem nor Machine Gun Kelly's records did very well. And I can't imagine Shaq. <laughs> I can't imagine. I like LL and Cool Mo D. LL and Cool oh. Mo D back in the day, they sold them all. Wild, wild west, Tim. Absolutely. I actually saw them together in Birmingham once as a younger man. Um, <laughs> great, great. Was that, that back- about well or the BJCC? No, that was probably BJCC. Yeah, it was the BJG, BJCC. Supersonic was the opening act. So nice. Supersonic. They had like five groups back then that used to come together and they were all oh, yeah. excellent. But yeah, the old rappers are beefing. They're stabbing each other. People are ending up dead. And, and we got Shaq and Damian Lillard out here rap battling. Basically blowing kisses. Speaking of blowing kisses, what about Carlos Martinez for the Cardinals? The Cardinals closer yesterday against the Braves blowing a little kiss yeah. uh, to Billy Hamilton there on second base for the Braves before he blows the game to the Braves. Braves go up 2-1 in that NLDS, Tim. I don't have a problem. I like the Javi Baezes. I like the Acunas. I don't believe you can have too much energy in baseball right now. If you hit a home run, you can celebrate it. You know, as long as you're, to me, I wouldn't taunt the other guy, but if I want to celebrate and fire my teammates up, I'm okay with it. I know the old guard will say, you know, you know, not that they'll be opposed to it, but baseball's boring. 
And I watched basically every Braves game. You want to see some excitement in it. Acuna's exciting. Uh, obviously, Acuna hit a home run against Carlos Martinez in the in the first game, and he pimped that home run despite being down seven to three at the time. Carlos had a problem with it, of course. Well, the inning before Carlos strikes out Dansby and barks at him, and Mood walks into the dugout. Yeah. Nathan, and he's all about all the flair. Martinez is talking about respecting the game. You know? Yes, you blow a kiss at Billy Hamilton. You could have kissed, like I said, you kissed that league goodbye is what you did. You just blew yeah. a game. You tried to blow another game. You know, this is a guy. Um, I just don't, I mean, don't do it and whine about it. Carlos has hit, you know, up and down. That Braves series has been interesting because the Braves haven't hit, and their pitching's really carried them. You know, with, you know if the bullpen could have held that, that, that first game lead, they gave up, I believe, six runs in the in the eighth. Yeah, and blew the first one, but Melanson closed it out on Sunday. You worry a little bit still about that, but they don't got go, the job done on Sunday. Yeah, they don't go one, two, three. The bullpen, you know, Luke Jackson no. there with his snare drum and his his beatnik hair, his goatee. You know, he's he's, he's shooter out there. Yeah, he's, it out. yeah, he's gonna he's gonna give up a run guaranteed. It seems like, but. I mean that Braves has been a fun team to watch. You know, I know this. You know, a lot of the Southern people are Braves fans, and it's been a it's been a fun team. And this team is two and one, going for a chance to win today at two o'clock. And they 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 have not hit the ball well at all. Josh Donaldson he had a big hit yesterday, but he struggled. Freddie Freeman has struggled. That offense that offense has just struggled this whole series. So um, to be up two to one, you know, it, it tells you they're you know pretty good team. A little bit of fighters got some fighting in them, and yeah. definitely some pitching when they needed it the most yeah for a vandy guy dansby swanson really clutch yesterday you yeah. know and uh on sunday yeah. and adam duvall comes through in the clutch you know it's been some of the vets that have let him down as you sort of alluded to although they're a little beat up i mean freddie freeman had an issue injury issue coming into the uh postseason they know we know that they shut acuna down uh they're with a couple of uh, leg issues late in the regular season, but uh, a chance, a chance to close out the Cardinals with, I believe it's Dallas Keuchel going uh, the left-hander. I, I haven't seen I, it. I think I, so. I thought, I thought it was supposed to be uh, Julio. Yeah, I know there was talk about that, but I don't, I, I don't think Snicker committed to, was committed okay. to uh, something yes, after Sunday's game. I'll have to check that on that here in a second. Yeah, sense i mean I, I was just looking last night and reading online i knew they had named a starting pitcher but yeah, yeah. Dallas, dallas has been a big hire i'm you know a lot of Braves fans are upset when they didn't go after kimbrell i wanted kimbrell too i didn't know kimbrell you know obviously a little bit different than we're used to seeing um but they made the right decision with dallas he's giving them six innings a game get them to that bullpen you know you get that bullpen to hold on so it's been an interesting year you know to, to be a braves fan a lot of young talent out there and I, you know i hate it for a guy like Charlie Culberson, who meant so much to that team. And that dude, you know, the thing about yeah. it, like you're saying about the non-big-name guys, if you lined up their plays of the year, it would be an epic highlight tape. Some of those some of those role-player guys have been fantastic um, and made some of the biggest plays. And, of course, you get Billy Hamilton. that kills me with baseball. It's like, how do you cut Billy Hamilton? I get you're not on a, 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 you're not on a playoff team, but a guy that can steal third, at any given moment, I mean, that's a guy you want on your team, even as a pinch runner. You're going to need a run every now and then. No doubt. And as we wind things down on T. Watts and T.R. on the Built by Bama online podcast, 
Time to jump into that roundtable mailbag, and uh, I'm telling you, it's only a couple of year, a couple of weeks old, and uh, in, in its presence there on the roundtable. But uh, it, it's growing into something special. That show mailbag, uh, Tim, and we'll go ahead and jump in there now. We'll check in with Bama Bullies. That's with a Z. Uh, how do you see this defense developing by the end of the season? And we talked about that a little bit earlier in the podcast. Maybe we'll just touch on it again. Um, I, I think what you're looking at, and, and, this, and that's not to look, overlook this weekend, because I think this has a chance to be another game with a good bit of points uh, at Texas A&M. But thinking about November 9th with what LSU is going to bring into Tuscaloosa, Tim, offensively with Joe Burrow and those wide receivers, um, you know, we kind of talked about it before the the ceiling for that I, I think you got what you got right I mean you you've got the personnel that you have it's just a question of again as we talked about earlier how quickly this this youth and especially at some critical spots where you can't hide guys you can't hide inexperience and true freshmen at, at inside linebacker middle linebacker specifically they will be exposed on occasion um I, that that to me is everything I don't know about you yeah, I agree. I mean, you've seen like early on, a lot of people thought the offensive line was struggling and they probably were compared to what they're doing now. But I really think they were just sort of getting into play in shape. You know, it's hard for an offensive lineman to simulate even in practice play in the game. And you've seen them gel together on the offensive line. I think you're going to see that more and more on the defense. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of our fans are getting upset because of, of, of course, Shane Lee's at a dis- disadvantage lined up on the sideline against a running back. But that's exactly the same disadvantage that you see in the National Football League or anywhere in college. There's not many linebackers. You get them out there isolated that aren't going to be at a disadvantage. So <clears throat> I think the more they see, and like you said, you rock a, a great, you know, they've seen, you got a great point. They've seen a lot of great offensive coordinators and a lot of schemes. So they're, they're getting more experienced, more seasoned. And, you know, you hope that just continues throughout the season. Do you buy into this ties into a question from Bama fit in the mailbag? Um, I wrote about this and what Saban said and what we think it means on Thursday of last week. It's been presented uh, about the defense and uh, how many snaps it has had to play in the two SEC games uh, that Alabama uh, has had on the schedule so far this season. Uh, and, and how the sort of offense plays into that. You know, I, I got into the numbers, Tim, and I, I don't think it's as much the Alabama offense that keeps putting the defense out there. It's been the defense and SEC play so far anyway that has struggled on third downs, and that sort of goes back to, I think anyway, some of the inexperience. Although, man, it's a nice luxury when you've got – legit high level future NFL high round draft picks at the cornerback positions. If you can lock up and man coverage at more than one spot in college football these days and be effective in doing so, you know, that allows you to commit an Xavier McKinney, a safety to more of the box and helping out with those young guys uh, at inside linebacker. For me anyway, you know, it's been more about Alabama's ineffectiveness defensively on third down against South Carolina and Ole Miss as, as much as anything else. Yeah, I you know, I think you're right. I think it is an experience. I don't think it helps. I've never seen a team that scores 50 to 60 points whose defense also gives up, you know, 10 to 14 every game. I think it's hand in hand. I mean, when you look at Oklahoma or any any 
any big time offense for the most part. It's, it's definitely you're out there more plays. I do agree it's probably the inexperience. I also think towards the end of the game, I'd like to see those stats a little bit. Those last two drives, I'm telling you, they get like 150 yards and two scores, whether it be 10 points or 14 points on those last two drives, it seems. And they're rotating in guys. And, and I get Xavier McKinley's out there, but also you see guys like, um, you know, on the defensive line, you see the backup guys getting that experience. So I don't yep. think Alabama's really worried about it right now. I think they're concerned because it's not a great defense. But, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the defense, this team was always going to be carried by the offense. So you score yeah. 50 points. <clears throat> I find it hard to believe Alabama's defense is going to give up 51. Yeah, and Nick Saban's not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. When you got an offense for all time like he's got right now, you uh, you roll with it. <laughs> you know, no, everything else. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I'm not yeah, going mean, you know, to. Watching Alabama, I'm not fretting about the defense. I am really soaking in this offense. Going to lose a lot of it next year. So, I mean, this is a, you know. This offense is as fun as Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert was at USC for me. Probably more fun because there's so much passing. So I'm going to enjoy it and, you know, enjoy this season. No doubt. Goes to Bryant on the roundtable already wanting to know how those LSU wide receivers match up with the Alabama defensive backs. And look, LSU is, uh, they're elite. They're elite uh, with Justin Jefferson and, um, you know, the, the Jamar Chase, and we'll see about Marshall. Uh, had that foot injury a couple weeks ago, had to undergo surgery, six foot four wide receiver for the Bayou Bengals. That could be a tough loss for LSU if he's not able to get back in time for November the 9th. But I think on the perimeter with Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Sertan, you're in good shape. That star position is interesting. The nickel and dime packages are interesting because it's been Shaheem Carter. It star the last few games. Uh, Josh Job started the season as the third corner, and Sertan was moving inside to star. We haven't seen that of late, uh, but I think there are still some things they're trying to sort out there in that combination between corner and star. Um, let's ask you this. We, I think we're going to get this one weekly. Uh, Bama Thunderbird in the roundtable uh, mailbag thread wants to know already about that quarterback race for 2020. Uh, again, I would advise enjoying what you've got right now and and kind of allow that to take care of itself next spring. Uh, but it, it's hard, man. It's because of what you've got right now. It's hard not to think ahead to, wow, you know, when Tua moves on to the NFL, how's this thing going to shake out? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I go back, you know, I think it's going to be, if you're looking long term, it's going to be Talia and Bryce Young battling it out. I'm not discounting Mac Jones in any capacity. I think Talia being in that system an extra year is, is definitely going to help. Bryce Young's special. I watch him every Friday night, every time he's on TV. Uh, but he's still a freshman, a uh, small freshman, but he can sling the ball. He calls plays for that team. I mean, he's a fantastic guy. Mac Jones is going to have the experience. He's going to have the locker room. You know, he's guys, people want to play for him. They like Mac Jones. But, you know, I think that you're, you're really looking long-term. You're looking at Talia who I'm not going to discount in this race, and uh, Bryce Young, who I think is a fantastic talent. I, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't discount anyone uh, at this point. But, um, you know, I, I've been impressed by Talia. I've said this before. The changes he's made physically since even last December when he was wrapping up his senior year at Thompson High, he is a different-looking dude, literally. Uh, he is slimmed down. He's more athletic-looking, more streamlined 
really a, a different body type than his older brother Tua um, at this point. As we wrap up, our most pressing topic of the day, Tim, uh, this one's been bandied about in the mailbag thread there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. We got to talk Rob Lowe, and Rob Lowe been around forever. You talk about a guy that has sort of been the uh, motion picture theme of our lifetimes going back to the 80s. Rob Lowe, let's get your pick for Rob Lowe's uh, best role movie-wise. Now, we're not doing TV because we'd be here for another hour if we went through all those as well. Movie role for Rob Lowe that you have at the top of the heap. I went through <clears throat> I went through Wikipedia last night and it's unbelievable how, how many <laughs> movies my dude's been in. I mean he's unbelievable. Me and my wife we had never seen Parks and Rec and I just showed my wife we I watched the whole show during the summer. She just watched it. I watched it again. He's such a great guy. He's 55 years old. He actually better looking now than he was when he was 20. It's insane what this guy's genetics is. But you look at this guy started at the Outsiders. You know, I was looking at Wikipedia, and he got a Golden Raspberry Award for the worst supporting actor in St. Elmo's Fire. Ludicrous. That is ludicrous. I'm not even sure Rob Lowe knows he was acting in that movie. He thought he was hanging out no. with his friends going to a party. He didn't even know what yeah, the characters were for. Billy, Billy Hicks was, was not a reach oh for a 1985 a Rob Lowe. Especially – for a college student, I mean, I go back to you. You know, I love Youngblood. Somebody mentioned that. That was going to be my low-key sneaky pitch. Love about last night. He was fantastic. Um, I tell you, you know, the thing about it, with when he went in those Austin Powers movies, I sort of like the fact that he got in that trouble with the video, and he came back as sort of the comedy villain in so many movies, like, like Tommy Boy and, he, you know, Wayne's, Wayne's World, Austin Powers. But one movie that stood out to me, I forgot, is Bad Influence. And I don't oh. know if you've seen that, but it is Rob oh, Lowe yeah. as the bad Spader. guy. He is the yeah. absolutely bad and guy. Spader is the uh, yeah. the you know, the good guy kind of in that. Yes, that's crazy. That role has switched so much. So, you know, if I'm voting, I've got to go probably St. Elmo's Fire for me. I love that movie. You know, I was, you know, I was a teenager at the time. I think that was great. About Last Night's a great movie in its own right. Um, Youngblood's a great sports movie. You know, Patrick Swayze and those guys in it. So, it's a tough call here. I, I, I'd, go, I'd lean St. Elmo's Fire, though. He is a, a guy that's been in a lot of great movies. It's hard to just sort of pick one great role for Rob Lowe. I'm kind of with you on Billy Hicks and St. Elmo's Fire or Bad Influence uh, in 1990. Speaking of a tumultuous stretch there for Rob Lowe, he had some uh, off-the-screen issues that he is – he's actually very, very fortunate to still be a out on the street and b as prolific as he's been in his, in his work. Yeah. Well, he had off the screen on the screen issues. <laughs> yes, that, that exactly. Was, that was Lowe's problem, but yeah, he survived it. I think the, the time and it didn't Amazing. seem like it would, I don't think you would survive that now. No. Um, no. I understand the situation was a little different and, you know, apparently he was 30 years, 30 years later. Yeah, no. they're saying, you know, I'm pretty sure they're saying that he, you know, they didn't, he didn't know their name or not rehashing all that, but you would never survive that now. You would he never. got 20 community service hours for that situation back in 89. He oh. would have probably got 20 years. He'd be, he'd be R. Kelly, kind of. Well, not R. Kelly, got not to that extent. unfollows on Twitter for sure. 
because he'd have yeah. been tried and, and convicted on Twitter pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, I don't remember the details of that. I just know it wasn't very good. Um, no. And it was a different era. I mean, now, I, you know, now I'd be hard pressed. He's kind of being deferred roasted on it now. If you if you see social media, it's like a, a whole generation just figured out that situation. Yeah. From 30 think, years ago. Yeah. I think part of it, though, is at this stage, you can forgive him because it was a mistake and it's done. And he's never did it yeah. again. You know, we, I mean, we're still yeah. we still have guys still doing the dumbest things with underage girls. You saw the you know the allegedly I don't know if I have to say that or not, but the you know the Pittsburgh Pirate reliever. You know this yeah. guy's twenty six year old two time All Star and his career's over. So yeah, it's surprise. Yeah, you're right. People just figure this out you know years later, but uh, it's a little too late. He's done a good job you know acting wise. Um, that, you know despite his mistake. Yeah, about last night is my favorite Roblo movie, but Jim Belushi stole the show in about last night for me anyway. Well, you know, the, uh, the, the best, they should have made the second show with Jim Belushi and, uh, Elizabeth Perkins. Oh, that, those two together. And the, she was a, oh, she, they were great. She was savage. She was oh. like gangster. And he was like that loosey goosey, Almost like the you know his brother in animal in, in uh, Animal House to some degree. Yeah. That was the best part of that to me. But yeah, the the story's good. Demi Moore was great. She looked fantastic. Rob Lowe, uh, you know, was a really good story. They redid it with Kevin Hart, and it's not a bad version of it either. Uh, a little bit more of a yeah. comedy, um, a little bit more of a comedy than the other one. Than a romance. Um, I, I got to go. Billy Hicks though, Saint Elmo's Fire for the all-time role for uh, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe was Rob Lowe, or who we expect Rob Lowe to be in St. Elmo's Fire. And I think that uh, Pablo Escobar might have been a production assistant on that film back in 85 for that entire <laughs> cast. You know? Judd yeah. Nelson, Andrew a, McCarthy, Demi. Dude, that was a crap. You, you know, the Brat Pack. You know, oh, I, yeah. my kids have got into, as they've got older, turned into teenagers and as my daughter's gotten older, they all love the John Hughes movies. That's how I know. That's why I know they're good because they still watch 16 <laughs> candles and they still the timeless, watch man. You yeah. watch when my kids are watching Ferris Bueller or even uncle buck, you know, and, and you know, a forgotten Jim, when they're watching it dying, laughing like I did, I know it's a great movie because it's hard to stand the test of time. You should see them watching a the horror movies from the 80. You know, they're sitting there like they're the comedy club. You know, why are they going down there? Why don't they have gas? Where's their cell phone? I wouldn't go in that shed. I was like, you would not be, your horror movie would be eight seconds. Well, most of the time it's because they're white people, you know, in those movies, yeah. it seems like, yeah. you know, yeah. they're just yes. not they're, very, not very aware. Well, the savvy. white women, the white women in horror movies are epically. Oh my gosh. Nobody's touching me. OMG. OMG. I see I'm going in those woods. I'm mad at you. I'm walking in these woods by myself to my house. I don't care how many people have been killed here. That's it. It's 2.30 a.m. I'm going to go five streets off of Bourbon Street. I'm That's a it. princess. I've had my it with you. told me nobody can do nothing bad to me. I am not going to get hurt in these words. I have my whistle. And then they hear that, that, uh, that branch snap, and they're like, Tommy? <laughs> and you know it's over. <laughs> We got to get out of here, man. It's been a lot of fun. We're getting ready. Yeah, we're we're uh, we got a big week planned at Bama Online for A and M week, man. We got coverage both ways, right? I mean, because there's been some nice Alabama A and M matchups on the recruiting trail. 
uh, both present and past, uh, and a big game for this Alabama football team coming up in College Station on Saturday. What do you say, Tim? Yeah, I like Alabama in this one. Um, I still think Jimbo is a little bit away and still a little bit away from being a great team and, and, and having to having to figure out his roster. I mean, he's still playing with a lot of Sumlin's guys. So um, I like Alabama. That offense, it's going to be hard to, for me to pick against that offense all year. Um, it was the same last year. Uh, it's just going to be hard for me to – to pick against it, and I know this will be the, the you know the, the Super Bowl for the Aggies, and I don't blame them. It'll be a huge event, but I see Alabama coming through double digits. Yeah, last stand situation for A&M. Jimbo can still sell through this week that everything is still on the table from a conference standpoint for Texas A&M. A&M loses this one, all that goes away, and then the challenge becomes even greater for Jimbo Fisher over the second half of the regular season. And I'm with you. Until I see someone beat Alabama in a shootout, I like Alabama's chances pretty much every week, watching yeah. college football and even Georgia. You know, I, I love Georgia's offensive line. I love Georgia's running back situation, especially with DeAndre Swift. Jake Fromm's fabulous. I'm still waiting to see more of an explosive aspect to that Georgia offense. Uh you know, at, at those other skill spots. Though. Jordan reminds me a little bit of Saban's, well, not a little bit, a lot of bit. Oh, yeah. To Saban's earlier teams where basically don't get me beat, quarterback. Y'all don't turn the ball over. My defense is good. Defense is good. And, um, you know, we're going to run the ball. We're going to grind it. We're going to wear them down and win it in the fourth quarter. You see a lot of that. The teams I think that are the most interesting matchups for Alabama, obviously, are the, the uh, high-profile offensive teams. I'm still waiting to see. Oklahoma has a big test this week. I'm waiting to see if that offense is as good as we yeah. think it is. I believe it is, but Texas is going to, you know, they're banged up in the secondary, but they're going to put up a fight. We're still waiting to see Ohio State play a really good opponent. I thought Michigan State was a decent defense, and they handled them pretty well, but their offense looks really good. And obviously LSU has a really fun offense, so that's going to be a uh, it's going to be a matchup. It's pretty interesting to see so many high-profile offenses and to have Alabama as one of them. Yeah, what you get when Alabama and Clemson are off in the same weekend is a love fest for Ohio State. That's what we just had in the last couple of days, uh, no doubt about it. Well, Tim, looking forward to our coverage, continuing coverage there at BamaOnline.com. I know we've been running that outstanding special here in recent days. Oh, absolutely. You get two months, that's the rest of the season, for $1. Can't really beat it. I'm not much of a salesman, but I can tell you for the – Price you can do the bottle. math on that. Yeah. yeah, that's half a that's half a coffee at Starbucks, a plain coffee. So can't really be. It's a good deal, and we're you know certainly going to get interesting here. Alabama, Alabama has a lot of their class finished, but it's never that you know the hay's not in the barn, so to speak. There's a lot of recruiting left to do. There you go, Tim Watts, publisher, BamaOnline.com, along with Hank South, does an outstanding job. From the recruiting perspective, team perspective as well, from time to time. Also, uh, Charlie Potter, going to have those practice reports, player updates throughout the week. We'll have analysis of Texas A&M, Alabama for you on the website as well. Kirk McNair, uh, a big help to us there at Bama Online uh, additionally. So there you go. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you for supporting us at BamaOnline.com and listening to T. Watts and T.R. here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Travis.